and uh, this might catch some of you some by surprise, but Jesus is coming again. You're not too excited, I guess, huh? <laughs> Jesus is coming again. And we are those that are called to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Is that not true? And what an exciting generation we are. And there is so much going on in the earth right now, all over the earth. And the reports just continue to come in if we have our ears open and our eyes watching to see so much going on. And I'm not talking about by watching the news channels. I'm talking about the Spirit of the Lord, what we're hearing that's coming in through the church and the people that are doing the work of God around the world. It's very, very exciting. There are different moves of God going on in different places of the world. And um, I would just like, I feel led in my spirit to tell you, I think we don't do much justice by looking for the move of God. It's such a diverse and big world, and there's so many different levels of, of faith throughout the world that there are multiple moves going on at the same time. Let me give you an example. Um, if you happen to be a Muslim living in the East, uh, you're not going to be involved in, in the reformation of the church. You're not even in the church. You're, you just need to be saved. And so it's the move of the evangelism and the gospel in an area like that with the signs and power of God um, to pull people to the understanding and the passion and the thirst for God. However, if you happen to be in an area that has been in the Lord for a while, where the gospel has been readily available, is free to preach and to see, it is quite possible that there there may be a move of the Reformation. What's the Reformation? It's a transformation of the body of Christ to what? To get back to holiness, to get back to the calls of God and the things of God. That's a different move. The evangelism of the pure gospel unto salvation is different than the gospel um, that needs to be preached to the body of Christ uh, to quit being lukewarm and to get hot. Amen? And uh, the gospel, uh, the move of God in Israel is different than the move of God in a Muslim nation because God is dealing through the Torah or through agnosticism with his Jewish people. And uh, the move of God in a communist nation such as China is moving completely different than it is in a Muslim nation because they're not overcoming a religious intolerance, they're overcoming a political intolerance. Why do I say this? I say this because I think we don't do well by trying to brand the move of God across the world and everybody trying to get it. We need to do what we're supposed to do in the place that we're in and do with what we're supposed to do in the place that we're in. And so uh, having said that, um, my passion and my assignment is to continue to equip any that the Lord gives me to, be, to have the power to overcome and to know your identity, not only your identity in the past, there's so much been said about identity and purpose-driven life and all of that, I'm talking about moving in the ultimate power of God for your life to overcome in the earth today. And uh, I started off by sharing with you again uh, last week when we were talking about the humanity of Christ and that he too had to show us how to overcome. And there are three areas, correct? You know them, that we overcome. One is our flesh. We have to overcome our flesh. We'll be dealing with the old man a bit uh, this morning if the Lord allows. We have to overcome evil. Evil is rampant uh, throughout the earth. Um, the things that people are doing today are almost beyond our comprehension as pertains to uh, evil. And we know that we live in that time when some are calling good evil and evil good. And we know that knowledge is increasing as the word told us it would in the final days. Interestingly enough, you know, there's a word used in Revelation for sorcery that comes from the root called pharmacy, pharmacia. And it says that the sorcery of pharmacia would increase in those last days. We come from a specific area where opiates and stuff have literally uh, uh, almost destroyed generations here in front of our eyes and people. We see pharmacia taking its path. Uh, I found it quite interesting now that it, the vogue is 
throughout the political states and, and, and some of the liberal views and some that aren't even that liberal, some in the church, to be pushing for the legalization of marijuana as if, as if it's a safe drug. Um, and you hear that argument, well, God gave us the, th this plant. Well, God gave us poison ivy, too. How many of you want to smoke poison ivy? You know, um, I could name some other things that God gave us, too. I some of us have poison ivy right now. I know there's at least three of us in here with four of us in here with it. And we'd be happy to pass it on to you if you'd like to have it. Um, you know, I don't know why God gave us poison ivy, but I haven't found a good purpose for it yet. Marijuana, yes, medicinal, but you know what? I think a lot of it's just being played, correct? Um, we know that the greatest anecdote for illness is Jesus Christ. So let's not get unfocused about all of that, and let's not get caught up in the fervor of what it is, and let's call good good and evil evil. And we see that all of that is happening in the earth now. So in part of the equipping, I've been uh, dealing with a series called uh, heaven and on earth, and the, the, the basis of that being that we, as new creation people of God born again, we have access to everything that God has. And we are not of the class of sinners. We are of the class of the redeemed. And as the redeemed, we are no longer subject to the forces of the world as, as, as being submitted to them. We are to be those who tread upon scorpions and servants and take authority over our lives and the things of the world. That sounds like foolishness to the world. Unfortunately, it sounds like a lot of foolishness to a lot of people who believe in Christ only because it's another leap of faith. It's another level. It's another place. And when our eyes are opened, we begin to understand it. So this morning, uh, my assignment is to minister further uh, in this area of heaven on earth. And my quest today is to, is to help us to open up our eyes to the new creation spirit that is in us. And this is a source of divine supernatural life. Recall, and I will please admonish you, to always make a difference in the supernatural between what is divine and supernatural. Just being supernatural is very dangerous. And people that just follow the signs will find themselves following them right off the edge of the earth. It must be of God. We want the divine supernatural of God. We don't want to just dwell in the supernatural realm. And uh, the supernatural realm is real. The spirit realm is very real. It's as real, it's more real and tangible than these chairs because these chairs will, emit some, at some point, they're going to succumb to moth and rust. They're going to corrupt. But what is spiritual in the realm is tangible and it will, it will uh, maintain uh, for eternity, one way or the other. And so we want to be those that understand it's divine, supernatural. And so uh, the new creation spirit is a force of divine, supernatural life, both in the present and the future. It's because we are those that are participating with eternal truths in the present right now. God is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Time is is subject to God. God is not subject to time. God, time is in God. God is not in time. God manifests in time, but he says, even in Isaiah, he says, in your past, present tense, he then goes, I am there. It's almost an oxymoron. He goes, in your past, I am there. His name is I am. I am there. He cannot be separated from the past or the present or the future. He's in all. All of it is in him. That's why when we are in Christ, then we are able to see that God can redeem the past, right? And I want to deal with our mindset of the past and our conscience this morning, because that is one of the biggest obstacles for anybody to overcome, and also just as difficult for people in Christ and believers to overcome and to subject to the disciplines to walk in power and victory. That's what we want. How many of you don't want to have power and victory? If you don't want power and victory, this is the wrong message for you. All right? Uh, how many of you say, I want to have power? I want to have power over the things of my life. I want to know that I have victory over the issues of my life. I don't want my faith to be subject to circumstances. I want my faith to be subject to God Almighty. 
I want my faith not to be limited to what my needs are. I want my faith to be expanded to the total abundance of God Almighty in all things, in all places, at all times. Amen? Now, that sounds like a motivational speech. It is not. A motivational speech will take you somewhere and get you into action and then drop. This is, this is faith. We're talking about the substance of God. God himself is faith. That's why he says faith is the substance of things hoped for. The only thing that's substance, that's truth, is God. Everything else can be challenged. Everything else will erode and weep away. But the things of God are yea and amen forevermore. And so having come to that place, um, I want you to realize that your spirit, your spirit, if you are born again in Christ, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is no longer in the class of natural man. Your body is in the class of natural man, your flesh is, but your spirit is not. Your spirit is now in the family of God. Your spirit now is in the divine class of God because it is His spirit in you and you have merged with Him. You know, some people get the, the mindset, and that's why we want to deal with the mind today. We need to set our minds and get truths, and once we set them, not let them go, because then we can stand strong in the face of adversity and everything that happens. Some people in, that are believers, and, and I've been there too as I've been working things out, we get the mindset that when we became a believer in Christ, albeit born again, that our spirit was changed. No, your spirit wasn't changed. You got a new spirit. You got the spirit of God. You're not renewing your old spirit. You're transforming the old spirit into the new spirit. It's a big difference. It's like having a retread tire or a brand new tire. I don't know about you. I'd rather have the brand new tire because the retreads will what? They won't last as long. And, and you could tell the difference on a retread right away. They cost less. They don't have the same value. You're not a retread. You haven't been reshaped into something from your old. You've received a complete new spirit. Now, just like anything new, I don't know about you, but you've got to learn how to, how to function with it, how to operate it. How many of you have operated uh, a machine, an iPhone, a phone, a computer, uh, and you've lived long enough to have to transition from something to something else? I remember the first time they came out with the fax machine. I know I'm dating myself a little bit. I thought it was a great invention until I tried to put that roll of paper in there and to get it back out again. And then people wanted to fax me something and said, I can't make this darn thing work right. Can't you just mail it to me? No, I want an answer right now. It accelerated things, didn't it? And no longer were we able to use the mail as an excuse. And then they came up with FedEx so that you could get it the next day and pay double for it or triple for it and whatever else it took. Everything began to speed up. And then we went from that to where it was email and computers and digitally sending it to you. Now we're so programmed that we can't get away from it one moment. It's on our phones. I don't know about you, but I get stuff on my phone and alerts that I don't want. I don't know where they came from. And half the time I don't know how to get rid of them. And, and, and it just alerts me, doesn't it? And, and so we realize, we realize that we've had to learn how to operate in different systems. But what we failed to do well as the body of Christ is to operate in the new creation spirit that we are. Because, and I'll tell you what the fruit of that is. If we were operating in the abundance and power of our new creation spirit, there would be no debate about the morality and the norms of this nation. It would be settled. It wouldn't matter about a political party, a person. It wouldn't matter about the, the past. It would be Christ, yea and amen, because there are more Christians in this nation than there are any other faith. And if the Christians in this nation were operating in the power of the faith and the identity and the knowledge of it, there wouldn't be any question. It'd be all over with. It would be one or two elections and boom, it's over with. And if nobody's towing the line, doesn't matter who you are, you're out of here. And we wouldn't have to be ashamed about talking about the religious freedom of our Judeo-Christian uh, norms and realms and prayers, etc. So we know that we have failed as a people of God in many areas, not only in our own nation, but in our families. How about our families, right? I mean, you know, the, the onslaught, the warfare against families is tremendous. Um, you know, I've been preaching against it, exposing it, binding it, and throwing those spirits out of this church and, 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 and against the, the people of God in this church because as, as, as the one that's the shepherd, 
I feel the responsibility that I need to expose it and deal with it. I don't offend any person. I hold nobody in judgment. But for the grace of God, there go I. Trust me, we don't want to talk about my past. But let's talk about the future and let's talk about the present. We need to stand against those things because that is from the pit of hell. The pit of hell is trying to destroy families, marriages, children. Take your jobs, take your funds, take your money, give you illnesses. We need to understand where it's coming from. When we understand where it's coming from, then, then we don't find the fault in each other. We find the fault in the one it belongs in. And when we need to repent and get ourselves right, we do it. But we realize, and this is where I want to move into, that our righteousness is not something that can be earned, and it's not something that you can spend. And I want to deal with that in a moment. But first of all, let me talk about this. As such, righteousness isn't a brand. It's not a breed. It's not a label. It's, it's who you are and who he is. It says that he was made sin. Made sin doesn't mean that he just took a brand, that he just was a substitute only by name. It's not something you write on a blackboard and you say, oh, you know, I'm going to just take that for somebody else right now. His soul was made sin. It literally became full of sin, and sin separates you from God. The Son of God was separated from the Father by the sin. Whose sin was he made? Your sin, my sin, all the sins, not categories of sins. You can go through that which separates us in Galatians and others, and he wasn't made those categories of sins. He was made the exact personal sins that you and I have made, will make, and that everybody else has made. He didn't just take the sins of those who would be saved only. It said that the, the, the Lord, the Father, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He took all the sins of the world, of every sinner that dies in hell and every sin, sinner that's redeemed from hell. He took all the sins of the world. He was made sin, who never knew sin, who hadn't sinned, so that ye, me, might be made the righteousness of God. There was an exchange. Sin righteousness we got the righteousness he got the sin we were baptized with him into the death of sin it says we were raised with him in the righteousness of life so now you have been made righteousness beloved i will say it and say it to you over and over again don't dare let me catch you saying i'm a sinner no you are not a sinner you are not of the class of sin if so then the blood of Jesus Christ wasn't spent for you, and that's impossible. He has paid the price. You are no longer a sinner. You once were a sinner, but you say, Pastor, I backslid in sin. That's why it says in 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins, and he is righteous. He is justified to release you from that because you've been made sin. You know, um, if you see a beautiful butterfly, and the beautiful butterfly happens to land on a pile of cow dung sitting in the middle of a field, a bunch of flies. The butterfly doesn't become flies. It just needs to shake off the cow dung. You're butterflies. Just because you, you land in something doesn't mean you're the same thing you landed in. I'm giving you a very graphic, very graphic illustration so you don't forget it. Amen? Shake it off. Shake it off. Say it stinks and keep on going. Move back to where you've been called. You've been called the righteousness of God. I want you to declare it. I want to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not dirt. I'm not dung. I'm not a sinner. I'm not lost. I haven't lost what my sizzle was. I, amen. I'm, I'm still the righteousness of God. Not because of what you've done or haven't done, but because of who he is. That's the beauty of our faith. That's the, that's the blessing of the gospel of the cross. That's why the cross is a gospel like none other. Because when he rose from the dead, he rose you in righteousness, and he left your sins down there. The memory, the memory of sins is in hell. Hell tries to give it back to you. People that don't know the Lord or aren't walking in the Lord, they try to put it back on you. That's called condemnation. Therefore, there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. We need to set our minds. And we need to say, I'm the righteousness of God. You say, yeah, but man, yesterday, you know, I blew it. Yeah, maybe you did blow it yesterday, but today you're still the righteousness of God. You need to confess it and wipe it off and then get your mind right. Not dwell on where you went wrong. Not dwell on your failures. Not dwell on what other people have said. Not dwell on the past, but to look forward to the present and the future through the eyes, 
through the eyes of understanding that God has given us. And so I want to talk about the eye a moment. You know, the human eye, amongst all of the other organs, and, and, and we could go about through every organ, how amazing they are exactly. Do you know that most of the organs in a child form in the first three months? All the organs do. I shouldn't say most. All of them. There's no more organs that are going to grow after three months. If they're not there, then it takes a miracle of God for them to come in the womb. So that within three months, all organs are developed. Now, they continue to grow, but they're there. Everything that's supposed to be in the child is already there within the first three months of that gestation period. The eye is very unique. And, and the eye, as we look at it, it's connected. Each eye has over one million nerve fibers. One million nerve fibers constitute this eye. And, 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 and that's, why, right, that's why we thank God for our eyes, right? And the most infamous proponent of, 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 uh, of uh, evolution, who was what? Darwin, said he had, to, he had to confess this. He said to suppose that the eye could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. But he was still willing to profess evolution until his deathbed. And then he repented and he said, I've done one of the greatest sins that you could do against God by releasing this evolutionism. You know, when people are dying, that's their best chance to see God, isn't it? Yeah. And we want to be those who are available, not to judge them for the past. I hope I see that brother in heaven and, and tell him, you know what? Yeah, it caused a lot of hell on earth, but guess what? It just was one more thing to overcome to show the glory of God. You know, we're not worried about evolution, are we? And so um, Darwin was blinded, and we want to talk a little bit about that. We're not those who are blinded. We have eyes that are open that can see, and our vision comes from God. Our vision is in another realm. Our vision is in the realm of heaven, even though we're on earth. It says that your citizenship is in heaven, even though you're here on earth. You are in this world, but you're not of this world. You need to determine in your mindset, I'm not of this world. I'm a peculiar, different person. And you know what? If people don't see you as different, you're not doing something right. You need to be different. There is not an opportunity that I don't see every day where I'm sure I've left and somebody said, he's strange. And, 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 and I'm okay with that. I take that as a compliment. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the preaching of the cross is the power. It's the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. And the power of God is what people need. They don't need to be told and beat over the head how bad they are and they're headed to hell. They need to see the difference that happens in the demonstration of the power and spirit of God. What? Grounded in love with a lot of grace. Abounding in grace and grounded in love. But abounding in grace and, and, and full of love doesn't mean that you're a wimp. It means you're a spiritual giant. You're walking in the power of God. God's Christians need to stop being perceived as wimps and to be shown the power that we have. We have the power over life and death with this tongue. We have the power over diseases with this tongue. We have the power over finances with this tongue. God hasn't created you to be poor. You don't need to accept that. I don't care what generation you've come from. I don't care if you went through the Great Recession and lost it all. That's just an opportunity to get some more. I'm just telling you, God has created you so that you can receive and sow and receive and sow and receive and sow. That's what we are. We're the fruit. We're the trees of God. And you know a tree by its fruit. We produce fruit by believing God for everything that he is. Amen? And when not, the tree withers and it has no fruit. If you say there's no fruit in my life, don't blame it on God. Just begin to practice the things. And don't condemn yourself. Just say, today is the first day of the rest of my life. I'm going to begin to do the things of God and obey God. Lord, I know I'm probably not going to get them all right. But you know what? Hear my heart. Hear my soul. I'm going to do them. Help me to do them. Give me people that help hold me accountable to do them. Let me take the steps that I need to step. And let me erase those words in the past. You know, words are very important. People speak words over us. We speak words over us. I can't do. The minute you say I can't, you won't. You need to take those words back. You need to say, you know what, Lord, forgive me for those words. I pull them back out of the atmosphere. I shall do all things through Christ who can strengthen me. 
I can do those things. He's the God, not of probabilities. He's the God that says all things are possible with him. He's not just probable. I don't like probabilities, right? I was just sharing with, uh, on, on Deep to Deep this morning um, a story that came out of Einstein. Now, Einstein had a bit of a brain, didn't he? And, uh, you know, this guy had a download that came from heaven. I mean, and the, the, the theory of relativity, I don't know about y'all, I don't really understand that theory. I was fortunate enough that when it came up in school, I was able to flub my way through it and wash some windows for somebody, and I just got, that was so far beyond my, my desire. And, but I know one thing, without it, we wouldn't have been able to do space exploration. I know one thing, that without it, our advance in science and computers would have never moved to where they went. I know that. This man got a download from heaven. He knew that he got a download from heaven. And he was teaching a class, and he had some of the, the, the best brains you could have. They came to Einstein's class, and, and, he's, and, and they, they, they did a, uh, a debate in the class. And they came out and they said that they believe, they believe that, uh, that with all the knowledge that they had, that there was no need to have the knowledge of God. Well, Einstein said to him, okay, you're very smart break off and go and consider what knowledge is and come back and tell me how much of the percentage of knowledge you think you have of all the earth that's in the earth right now within your smart briefs. And they, uh, they came back and they said, well, we think we can together probably come up with 5% of the knowledge of the earth you know, that we've had through our studies and that. He said, I think you're being too generous. He said, I don't think you got 5% of it. He says, but can we attribute the other 95% to God? You see, he's the mind of Christ. He's wisdom. He's all that we need. But it all starts right here in our mind so that we profess with our mind through our mouth the things of God. If we speak the things of man, it, we've already put a timeline on it. Everything that's human expires. Does it not? I mean, which one of you gets, is really grateful when somebody brings you, a, you know, you're hungry and they bring you some rancid meat that expired about a year ago? You look at it, you say, what am I going to do with this? Right? You wouldn't even give it to your dog. right? You say, thank you for the thought, and that's about as far as you go. You want to say, what, are you giving me your leftovers that you couldn't eat? What good is that? Right? It's the same thing with the things of man. The things of man expire. So when we're hanging our faith on the things of man, we have a faith that's already going to expire. It's going to expire with that thing. It is object identified instead of God identified. We need to have our faith with God in everything. And beloved, I've come to this conclusion too. I think a lot of us make mistakes because we only ask God some of the time what we should do, right? We, after we've done something, we ask God to fix it up, right? All the time I'm challenged. I mean, I see something I want that's, woo. I mean, I've been believing God for a four-wheeler, and Charlie and I drove by and saw the most nice four-wheeler you could possibly see yesterday. It was a lot of money. The guy wanted 6500 for it. And I said, ooh, I'd really, I really like to have that. And it was originally worth like $18,000. And, you know, and I said, ooh, that's, that's really nice. That's really nice. And I said, I'm going to go pray about it. I didn't have to pray too long. I didn't even have to ask my wife. The Lord said, no. So I got spared because I know what she would have said, no. <laughs> and I got up this morning and said, thank you, Jesus. I got totally delivered of the lust of the four-wheeler. <laughs> I got my little John Deere tractor. You know, it's got four wheels on it. Doesn't move real fast, but we'll get the job done. Hey, we got to pray and ask God about the things, especially of the flush. And, and when we're moving into what we want to do with our finances, with our relationships and all, we take a moment and ask God, and then the next thing we don't do is we don't wait for the answer. Well, I ask God, now I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, to me, to me, faith is, is like having a bad day where you want to get angry at somebody. I often coach someone, take two aspirins, go to sleep, and wake back up, see how you feel. You'll probably feel a little better. It's the same thing about faith with God. You've given it to God, take two aspirins, rest on it a little bit. Give God a little bit of time to show you the way, right? We want instant gods. We want instant everything. We're in a society that puts demands on us to do everything right now. You know, I don't know whether it's my age. I don't know whether I'm just getting cantankerous. I don't know, stubborn. I don't know what it is. But now when people push me to move fast, I just learned how to get slow. 
you know? I know somebody said, you know, when they go low, we go high. Well, when, when they push me, I'll go slow. Right? I go slow. I've learned to go slow. And guess what? What doesn't matter rolls off. It goes away. It becomes nothing. It dissipates, right? Very rarely in our lives do we have to come up with a decision right now. Right now. Those who, who've had illnesses and, 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 you know, the doctors told you something and we got to know today. Slow down. Take it to God, right? I mean, you know, I, I cracked this tooth about, what, three, four weeks ago now? I went to the one doctor. I didn't like what he had to say. The other one told me, contradicted that one and this one, and this was that, and this was that. I'm still spitting through this tooth right over here. That's why y'all be careful up in the front. I'm learning how to, I'm learning how, how to talk with this tooth. But you know what? Here's how I'm praying. Lord, thank you for the delay. I want a new tooth. I want a brand new tooth. I want to wake up and that tooth's in my mouth. You say, that's crazy. Yes, it is. But I'm believing God for it. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what else. I said, I don't want a gold tooth. Some people are moved by gold. I don't want to be walking around looking like I come out of the hood, man. I, you know, I know people come out of the hood. They try to get rid of the gold teeth. I want, I want a white enamel tooth. Just like the one I lost, maybe a little better because it got it's old. It got old. You know what I mean? Give me a brand new one. That's what I want. So if God says, son, you're going to put this off, I'm going to say, you know what, Lord? Praise the Lord you're putting that off. I'm going to spit a little easier over this way and a little bit of this way. It's a little strange. You know, all your life with these teeth in your mouth, all of a sudden there's half a tooth, just half a tooth, half a tooth missing. It certainly changes things. It's like, oh, man, what's going on over there? All right, so, so our vision and our eyes are from God. And, and how about this? When a baby's born and the eyes open up, it begins to bond with who it sees. Yeah. Isn't that something? And that's why FaceTime with the baby is so important, right? And the, the baby's looking at the nurturer, and the nurturer's looking at the baby, and the baby's eyes are like, because it's seeing shadows and things, and then it begins to focus in and focus in and focus in, and that bond is so important. You see, it took, it took the human mind a long time to catch up to the fact you just don't rip the child away from the mother right away and go stick it somewhere. And you include the father if he's willing to be there. And you put them in there together and they bond with that baby because what that baby sees becomes an imprint. How about our eyes? What's imprinting our eyes? Who are we bonding with? What do we see? Do you see cancer or do you see Jesus? Do you see someone in prison or do you see them free? Do you see despair or do you see hope? Do you see that you've got finances or do you see that you're poor? Do you look at a bank account that's empty or you say that bank account's just getting ready to get filled up? Do you look at an old car or do you look at a new car? Do you look at the problems with your spouse or do you look at the blessings with your spouse? And then in the old proverbial, is your cup half full or half empty? Which one is it? What do you see? What's your imprint? We change our minds. We have to reset our minds. You see, your spirit is born again. It didn't exchange. You didn't get a retread. You got a brand new one. But your mind, you have to transform and renew. How often? Daily. Daily means all the time. Your renewal by the renewal and the transforming of our minds is how we walk in tune with the spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But God has given us a guide, a comforter. His name is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the chief spirit. He's leading all the other little spirits. And we all have those spirits. It's not little in the sense of being less than God because it is the divine nature of God. Peter said, you are partakers of the divine nature of God. It means we've ingested it. We've consumed it. It's in us. And when the Holy Spirit is within you, he's guiding you in all things if you allow him to do. But he's got a very different language than the language of the world. His language isn't the logic of the world. So don't wake up in the morning and ask God, you know, should I wear socks or not? I don't think the Holy Spirit cares, you know. But if you need to, it's all right, you know. I don't. I put my socks on. I like socks on my feet, right? I'm just one of those kind of guys. And I also don't like it when I'm in an airport or in an airplane, and I see somebody with their bare feet on my seat that I'm going to sit on. 
Sorry about that. I think that's rude. I'm just going to, I don't know why I'm saying that, but I'm going to say that, right? We're not supposed to put our bare feet on somebody else's thing. I don't put my bare feet. Sometimes these feet, you know, they need some help. So, especially when I've been working all day or in, in these shoes for 14, 22 hours traveling somewhere, right? Hey, I'm just being honest. I know y'all don't have that problem, but I do. So, we got to work on it. Reset. My wife didn't even reset me. She just let me go. <laughs> For the visitors, this is my wife. Her main job is to keep me under control. <laughs> she didn't do very well with it right now. All right. Reset. Reset. So, how about, let's go to Luke 24, 31 for a moment. Remember, Jesus was risen. And he's on his, his, his path on the road to Amias, right? And on that path, he, he, he comes across, actually he just appears to these two men that are walking the road of, Amias, of Amias. And they're talking about their, what's disturbing them, the disappointment. What happened that the Savior's gone, the guy they thought was the Messiah's history. And all of a sudden, the stranger's amongst their midst, and he's walking with them, and he begins to share with them, but they can't receive it. He's telling them they're in the very presence. Listen to me a moment, please. They're in the very presence of the Son of God himself, the Creator, the Messiah, God in the flesh, walking with them, and they don't know it. Doesn't that sound like a lot of the body of Christ today in the very presence of God and don't even know it? What it means is all they had to do was touch him. All they had to do was touch him. So close. You could touch God. What do you think happens if you touch God personally in the flesh? I think electricity goes through your body. I think it's like you're never the same again. I think you just touch the hem of his garment, and, and all things are made new. I think if you could just touch God, if you could just touch God, everything is going to change in the twinkling of an eye. They were with him, amen? Well, I've got good news for you. You can touch God, and God can touch you. They didn't know it. They're walking with him. And what did he have to do? He said, then their eyes were opened. He had to open their eyes to see. And then they knew him. <laughs> he said, okay, now you got it. Goodbye. And he vanished from their sight because he didn't want their faith to be built upon the physical. He wanted it upon the spiritual. He will open our eyes so that our faith is upon the spiritual, not the physical. Because the faith that is on the physical, it does what? It expires. It has an expiration date. It can carry you a little while. I often tell many people, especially that I don't have the opportunity to minister over and over again, I can tell you almost not a day goes by that there's not a miracle with somebody that God deals with me, somebody's neck, their back, their child, their this, their, they're healed. And I tell them that, listen, I want to say something to you. I tell them, whatever you do, don't deny what just happened. Don't ever call it wrong again. Don't ever call it sick again. I said, just so you understand, maybe someday you'll, right now, you hijacked my faith. I got you to this place in my faith, but I can't carry you the rest of the way. You need Jesus. You need Jesus, and you need to carry it yourself. And that's what Jesus did. They hijacked Jesus' faith. He opened their eyes, but he said, I'm not going to take you the rest of the way because you need your faith. You've got things to overcome. I'm not going to be here in the physical for you, but it's good that I go because I'm going to send you one who is greater in all other things from the Father. He's going to teach you what we want you to know. He's going to guide you through the storms of life. He's going to give you the yeas and amens. He's going to help you to understand what you should do and ought to do. And even more than that, he's going to empower you. He's going to give you power from where? On high. That's why it's from heaven to earth. We want the power on high. You know, I like the power of preaching, and I like the power of churches, and I like the power of, of pastors and shepherds and prophets and apostles. But the power I need is from the power on high. That's the power I want to be plugged into. I want to know, that, and I know that I know that I know that I can do all things through Christ because I am plugged into the power on high. And so we understand in Emmaus, even Jesus showed us that there's a blindness that keeps us from seeing the things of God. And, and even though these two men walking in Emmaus, they believed in God or they wouldn't have been disappointed. They didn't say, oh my, I lost my faith. God's going to do It's all over with. They were disappointed that they lost the Messiah, they thought. They believed in God, but their eyes weren't open. And so it's not enough to just believe in God. We have to have it. How many of you know that 80% uh, of the vision problems 
worldwide are preventable or curable. How many of you know that? I got other good news for you. 100% of your spiritual blindness is curable. 100%. You need not be blind in anything. There need not be any blind spots in your eyes at all for the spiritual things of God because you have the ability to see everything of God that He has because of who He is in you and you in Him, not because of how greatly you've studied or been taught. Yes, it's good to have the Word and rightly divide it, but it's something you accept. Amen? Let me ask you a question. When, um, when you were born, did you have anything to say about it? Did you have anything to say about it? Did you make any choices? You didn't make any You didn't choose your mother. You didn't choose your father. You didn't choose your environment. You didn't choose wherever you were born. You didn't choose anything. You were born into that. Let me ask you this too again. When you were born again, did you choose it? No. You just agreed to it. You said, yes, I will be born again. The moment you became, said, yes, you were born again, the Holy Spirit took everything else over and began, and he's still doing it. It's not a choice you need to make over and over and over and over. You just need to practice it and to go. Amen? And you need to walk in that faith. And so we see that our eyes have been opened. Now, I want to deal with this. I've got some time, about 20 minutes. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Romans 3.21. Um, if we could go up to that, starting with it, please. I want to talk about the natural state versus your new creation state. Can I do that? I want to give you a contrast. I think it's going to help you to sort some things out in your life and to make some choices about what you're doing. Let's talk about the natural state. God's righteousness, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Stop. All have sinned and fallen short of the, of the glory of God. That predates, predates you being born again. You understand it? Don't walk in that condemnation anymore. You're no longer all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You once were a sinner, but now you're not. You once were blind, but now you see. You once were lame, but now you walk. You once were poor, but now you're rich. you got to understand something. That's what you were. You only stay that if you declare that. You, if you let it go, it's gone. Because it's the Word of God. You see, I believe the Word of God for everything that He says. I don't take bits and pieces of it. I believe it for all. If you believe it for all, you get the full buffet. And in that basis, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But, then He gives us a but, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith. How do we accept Him? Through faith. How do we walk in Him? Through faith. How do we know that you're born again and you're a child of God? Through faith. How do you know that you're not a sinner? Through faith. But you've got to move in your faith. In Him we live and move and have our being. If you're not moving, you have no being. You're just idle. But Because God is moving. God is never stopping. The Spirit of God is active in you when you're sleeping. The Spirit of God is active in you when you're not thinking about it. The Spirit of God is activating and praying for you in a language you don't understand. Romans 8 tells us, even in your infirmities, because you don't know how you ought to pray for Him, it says. So you know what I say about that? I take it a step further. I say, if the Spirit of God is already praying for me in my infirmities, I don't have infirmities. Uh, if the Spirit of God is praying for me in my infirmities, then I don't have infirmities. Otherwise, the prayer of the Spirit of God is ineffectual. You can't be both. You think the Spirit of God, my brother, is going to waste his time praying for you on something that ain't going to work? Hey, come on. One thing about God and the kingdom of God, He is 100% productive-minded. God's into production. The kingdom of God is violent. The violent take it by force. The kingdom of God is forever grown. The increase of His government is without end. God says He multiplies. He's into multiplication. What you sow multiplies. God says, you give me one, I'm not going to give you back one. I'm going to give you ten. 
You, 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 he says, anybody who leaves husband, wife, children, forsakes whatever they have to forsake for the kingdom of God, makes the choice that God is more important. He said, I'm going to give you a hundredfold return, not only in the life to come, but here on earth now. God couldn't hold it back or else he's not God. God could not diminish himself. He cannot tell you, well, you earned your hundredfold return in life, but for right now, y'all just suffer. God says, no, I'm going to bless you a hundredfold here and a hundredfold there. I'm going to tell you what, I am a witness and an example of the hundredfold blessing of God for forsaking family that I had to and a religion that I had to to proclaim Christ. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand it. I just had a simple, stupid faith to say, I believe God. I didn't even know about the hundredfold return. I just refused to let go of the Messiah that I had so desperately needed and found. And then God gave the hundredfold return here on earth and I can only imagine what it's like in heaven. And I praise God for that. And it's the same for you. But you got to let go. you got to let go. And you got to say, God, I'm going to trust you. You say, but oh, you don't know who I'm living with. Let go. And watch what God will do. Let go. Watch what God will do. Yeah, but you don't have a child like I have. Let go. Watch what God will do. Yeah, but you don't have a mother-in-law like I do. Let go. Watch what God will do. Watch, well, but you don't work where I work. Let go. Watch what God, hey, you got to let go. And you got to say, Lord, you take me where I'm supposed to go. I feel people are making decisions. I hear it in the spirit right now. You're saying something got activated in me. I don't know, just pastor yelling. Maybe his underwear's on too tight. I don't know what's going on, but something's going on here. My wife didn't even say reset again. I was testing her that time, Brother Gary. She, did, she just laughed so hard she couldn't. <laughs> it was funny. Hey, hey, you got to let go and let God, right? How many times have we heard it? You got to let go. You can't hold on to the new and ex old and expect something new. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. You say, but pastor, if I let go of this, I may never see it again. I hope so. I hope you never see it again because God got something better. Right? I want something new. I don't want something old. Yeah, but that was my favorite pair of shoes. Well, they were 35 years old. It's about time you get another pair. Hey, that was my favorite golf club. Yeah, but the new ones are engineered better. Hey, that was my favorite baseball bat. Well, guess what? Try to go play baseball in the majors today with a bat that's 40 years old. See where that gets you. Huh? Or, a, or a, how about one of those old baseball mitts? I had one when I was growing up, man. Three fingers in it was like this. You didn't catch it right, it hit you right in the face. Go play with that glove. Huh? Or go play with the old pigskin. I'm just telling you, you can't use the old and hold it. You got to let it go because God's got something new for you. All things are made new. You got to let it go. And it says that he gave us this faith to do what? To demonstrate his righteousness. I'm finally getting to the theme I'm finally getting to it. Somebody said Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help us out. All right. To demonstrate his righteousness. You know what, beloved? I don't like, I mean, it's okay if that's as far as you want to go, that righteousness is right standing with God. That, that makes it earthly. That makes it natural. That's like you're going before an earthly judge and you plead no contest and he says well you seem like a right guy so i'm going to just give you this and i'm going to let it go righteousness isn't the right standing with god if that's as far as you want to go with it it's not wrong it's just not all right righteousness is who god is righteousness is absolute perfection righteousness is flawlessness righteousness is exactitude it's being absolute exact in god righteousness is already being prejudged not guilty ever in every situation righteousness is sovereign righteousness is beyond man's laws righteousness is beyond the laws of the angels righteousness is beyond the judgment of hell righteousness is beyond the tantamount of the sins of your life righteousness is who god is and when he makes you righteousness he's made you himself he's made you himself when you have the righteousness of God in Christ, you are same as God before God. Do you understand that? 
There's no difference between you or his son or anyone else. All of the prophets, all of you've been made righteousness. If it was because of what you did or didn't do, we all fall short of the glory. It's only by the righteousness of God. You have been made righteousness. That's why I'm telling you, if you got a little stink and you stepped in some doo-doo, shake it off because you've been made the righteousness of God. That doo-doo has no right to hang on to you. You are the righteousness of God. It's who he is, not what he is. It's who he is. You understand? So if you want to accept, yeah, righteousness is the right standing of God. That sounds good. You know what? I want to be what God is. I want to have what God is. I'm going to take it because he said it's mine to have. I'm receiving it, and I'm going to walk in that righteousness. There's a difference. You see, now my eyes are open. I know what I know that I know that I know. And what I know is I am made the righteousness of God. If I am made the righteousness of God, then every tongue that condemns me is a false lie. Every tongue that raises itself against you has no power, no authority. It has no place in your life. It cannot give you a sting of death, a sting of sin. It cannot defeat you. It cannot take you down. It is, has no power over you because you are the righteousness of God. Angels aren't going to judge you. You're going to judge angels. You understand? They haven't been raised up to have power over you. You've been raised up to have power over them. That's the word of God. Why do you think it is? Because you're at a higher class. You're at the level that's the same righteousness of God. And he's done something. What he's done is he's made sure that it's not your spirit anymore. He didn't just redo your spirit. He didn't give you a retread. He gave you a brand new spirit that has never been sinned against. It's called God himself, the Holy Spirit. That's who's in you. Righteousness is the divine nature of God, along with all of his other nature. You can't separate God from God. You can't separate the goodness of God from his righteousness. You can't separate the love of God. God is inseparable. He's indivisible. God is God. You either get all of God or none of God. You understand? Well, I'm just going to take this piece and leave out this piece. That's not God objecting you. That's you making that decision. Amen. Well, you know what? Someday I'm going to get all my morality in line. No, no. Get it in line today because God has given you the abundance and the ability for all your morality, all your integrity, all of your honesty, all of your sovereignty, all of his power. Righteousness is of God. It's a divine state. It's not just a standing with God. You are standing and living and walking and breathing in the divine state of righteousness. It's who you are. If it makes you feel good, make it one of your middle names. Frank, Righteousness, John, Amedia, the second. Righteousness. Why do you think, oh, thank you. Why do you think he says, I give you a new name that no man has seen? Huh? That's the word of God, isn't it? I'll bet you that name is just singeing with the righteousness of God. That name is so holy in the righteousness of God that it's not made for man to utter. Paul said, I saw unspeakable things in the third heaven. I can't utter those things. They were so amazing, so holy. They're not made to be uttered in this earth. You have a name in heaven that nobody else knows that no one can utter but God himself. That's how holy and righteous that name is. And you know what? He's quite a God. How many people you think are going to be in heaven? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to dare to say. But I know it's going to be too many for you and I to name. Every one of them has their own name. A custom name. A custom name. You got your own name. Wow. Doesn't that boggle your mind? Doesn't it boggle? And God puts a lot in names. God changed names. You're no longer Saul. You're Paul. Upon this rock, Simon, I shall build my house. Abraham, you're no longer Abram. You're Abraham. Wow. How about God puts a lot in names? He's put a lot in you. He's invested him whole self and all of his future into you. Finally this. How many of you know 
that the devil is a mind blinder. Can we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6? I'm only getting to about a third of the message, but that's okay. It's more important that we receive what we have than we take quantity, right? And we allow the revelation of God to move. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Listen, the devil is a mind blinder. You understand that. On a practical basis, he cannot read your mind. He can hear your thoughts. He can look at your reactions. When something comes upon you, you go, oh, but you don't say any words, he's still got it. You know, he's got little demons that are spies, and they're not the smartest brands. A lot of those demons are dumb imps, and there's little spies. Their whole job is to spy on you, to nag at you, to make it difficult. I'm going to tell you what I've told many of people and myself many times. Please do not think yourself so highly that the devil himself is fighting you every day. He cannot be everywhere. And he got a big pecking list. But he's got an order. He's got an order of dark angels, principalities and powers, and demons. And remember all those little demons that jumped out of Legion and they wanted to you know, find a pig and they went in the pig and psh, over they went, killed all those pigs. He's got all those demons. And those demons are waiting to see how you react. They're waiting to see how you react. How many of you have ever played cards? How many of you, when you have a bad card hand, you go to, oh, that's terrible. Go ahead, take the money. I don't even tell you where I learned to play cards. I won't even tell you what we were playing for. When I, was I didn't have any choice. Hey, you're holding the cards. Nothing's better than a poker face in the face of issues. Jesus got it. No, but you don't understand. Your car just got swallowed up in a swamp and in it was your tools and you left your wallet in there. God's got it. Or, oh! Your car just got smashed. They're not going to give you enough money for it. You're done. You just lost all that money. No, I don't believe that. God's going to give me my money in a better car. You understand? Nothing stupefies the enemy of your soul, the mind bladder, more than a poker face and a good confession. That takes them to lunch. Takes them to, I'm giving you a practical way of the way I walk. I refuse to allow the emotions to show on my face, unless it's, of course, Ohio State's winning a football game or something. And, you know... <laughs> And I get a little excited and happy about that. Or if my wife gives me an attaboy, I go, woo, that's a good one. Right? She was getting ready to reset me. She goes, oh, that's good. That's good. I'm playing her like a fiddle today. Hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and the Lord our bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God's glory is your substance. He is glory. And all that's his glory is in you and you in him. You're not going to lose the glory. You just have to activate the glory. You need to walk in the glory. What does it do for God when you walk in faith? He's well pleased. Without it, you can't please him. You know why he's well pleased? Because he says, you truly appreciate what my son did for you and that I gave my only son. You want it all. I want to give it all to you. We honor God when we walk in faith. We honor God when we refuse to allow the old man to take control of our minds. We honor God with our total being when we say, that could be it, and all hell could be breaking loose. But you know what? I'm going to stand because I know my God is already victorious for me. This shall pass. Yeah. 
we honor God. Our greatest forms of worship and times of worship are not in the congregant assemblage of the church. They're in your personal praise of God. Just yesterday, the Lord showed me how to do something very practical. It was very practical. It probably would be meaningless to you, but I've been dealing with it for about three days trying to figure it out. And yesterday morning, I saw it. And it saved me probably a week's worth of work. God knows how much time. More of my time and work than money. And you know what I did? I had a little tear in my eye. I said, my God, you are so amazing. Thank you, Lord. And I felt the flush of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And I heard the Father say to me, you're welcome, son. A moment of worship. Me and my father. Because I bothered to ask him, Lord, I don't know how to do this rightly. This doesn't, this seems too hard. And he showed me another way that I didn't see that was right before me. Amen. He's such an amazing God. We've yet to unlock any of the potential of him in our own lives. I'm the first one to confess. But I'll tell you something, I'm pursuing him with a hunger and a thirst. I want all that he has. I'm not ashamed to say it. But I can also tell you, I truly know this. There's things I know that I can't say aren't me. But one thing I can tell you is I do have a shepherd's heart. And I want for you more than I want for myself what God has. I want you to walk in victory and health, confidence and faith, the power to overcome. I want you not to be tossed by the winds of the words of people, by what you did or didn't do, the fears of your future. I want you to be so grounded in God that you know that you know that you know that your Father has a good, full life for you in everything. That's my heart. That's my prayer. I pray it every day. Every day. You see, it's not arrogance. I've come to the place that I already know that I know that I know what the Lord has for me. You understand that? And I'm good with it. My prayer is, Lord, anybody that you allow me to, I pray, Father, that they can walk in the power of your victory. That's my prayer. I love evangelism, but I don't love evangelism as much as I am as I love equipping the people of God. That's my passion. Can I evangelize? Yes. Do I evangelize? Yes. Have I evangelized? Yes. But there's a time we do everything that God gives us. My passion, my gifting, my assignment right now is to equip the body to overcome, to send evangelists, to bless them, to bless teachers, to bless prophets, bless pastors. I'm not insecure in any way. I can honestly tell you that. God has killed any of that in me. But my prayer, my heart, is that you walk knowing who you are all the time. One last practical suggestion. Make a commitment to yourself and give the Holy Spirit the right, the free liberty. He will never force himself on you. One thing about the Holy Spirit is he's gentle. That's why he can get bruised so easily because he's so gentle. Jesus is a pretty tough guy. Call me anything you want. Beat me, flog me, send me to hell. I'm coming back. The Holy Spirit's gentle because it's the very heart of the bosom of the Father of God himself. Call the Father any name you want, he says. God's bigger than all that. He's got it. But the Holy Spirit is God's trusting you with his most dear spirit. So make a covenant with the Holy Spirit. He'll keep it if you allow him to. And you can keep this covenant. I wouldn't ask you to make an oath you can't keep. That's not good. This is an easy one. Holy Spirit, I give you full authority to show me the way I'm supposed to go. I'll give you full authority to nudge me when I need nudged. If I was talking to you in the street, I'd say to crack you across the head when you need a good crack. 
Holy Spirit, talk to me in everything. And even when I don't seek the Lord, Holy Spirit, talk to me and tell me to. That's an easy one. I've done that. And guess what? He does. He'll stop you right in the midst of something. And it's called in our vernacular Pentecostalism, right? Checking the Spirit. You gotta check in your spirit. Don't ignore him. Don't ignore that voice. Listen. Listen. And wait. Can I pray for you that way right now? Yes. I'd like to pray for you that way right now. Jesus, on the way to Emmaus, all he did was say, open your eyes of understanding, and it was done. Because he had the authority to do it. We have that authority. And today, as a shepherd of this house, in the name of Jesus, Father, we ask you, Lord, that you covenant with us Holy Spirit, that we will not be able to hold you back from speaking to us. We ask you, Lord, to open the windows and pour into us even when we're not listening, even when we don't want to listen, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to us and give us the fear of the Lord that's in reverence and respect to hear and to listen in all aspects of our life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And let us not bruise you. Forgive us for all the times we have bruised you in our own arrogance and pride and selfishness. In our vulgarities, immoralities, and our disobediences. Forgive us, Holy Spirit. Forgive us. Flood us with your awareness. Be genuine and real to us in every situation, Holy Spirit. We give you liberty to speak into us now and always. Holy Spirit. Father, thank you that we've been made righteousness in your Son. In Jesus as we always do, we can't thank you enough for what you've done. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.